again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can follow me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find at Horizon Matt on Twitter. And also joining us is John Parker. Hey, guys. How you doing today? John, of course, can be found on his new Twitter handle, like his relatively new Twitter handle, at Horizon John. Feels like I have to do a Horizon Bob at some point in time, but I just, it, it just seems like that would be just be a silly thing for me to do. I don't know. John but, needs to and, change his picture. That's what needs to happen, because I can't keep you in the Horizon Roundtable Twitter <laughs> clear. Fine. <laughs> the Horizon Roundtable, of course, is on Twitter at HorizonRT. They're on Facebook at Horizon Roundtable. You can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. And of course, you should be—you should subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And uh, Matt, John, um, Bob, yes. Um, actually, our intro music hits a little different this week because if you guys—if you guys for the last year we've been using um, a DMX song oh. for our intro music, and of course, you know he died this week, so it hits a little different this week. Anyway, sorry to bump you guys out on that one, but. Um, this week has actually been, uh, for us, for the roundtable, is actually pretty exciting because we have yet another women's basketball coach coming on today uh, for this episode. And it's the new hire at uh, Purdue Fort Wayne, Maria Marcasano. So um, I, am, I, was, I was already looking forward to, you know, hearing, uh, hearing, you know, kind of her history and everything. So... Without any further ado, let's go ahead and have a conversation with Coach Marcasano. Coach Marcasano, thank you very much for joining us, and um, welcome, I guess we should say, welcome back to the Horizon League. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be back, and obviously it's been a few years since I played in the Horizon League, but um, still a lot of familiar uh, schools and faces. Yeah, absolutely. And you're back you're back in Fort Wayne, which um which is your hometown. So what does that mean to return to your hometown in charge of, of its division one team? Yeah, I mean it's been really surreal, honestly. You know, I've always wanted to get back to the Midwest and I'm very biased towards uh Indiana basketball and you know, when this opportunity came came open it was something that I, I definitely wanted to consider. There was you know, other options on the table, but it's really hard to just say no to your hometown. And and I think that was um, a big factor, you know, coming home, um, you know, wanting to build this program back up, wanting to, to you know, create something that the city can be proud of and, and really just to be back near my family. It's just been, it's been really cool so far and I'm excited to get settled in. Nice. Hey coach, thanks for coming on today. Um, beyond it being your hometown, what were the big factors that led you to take the Purdue Fort Wayne job? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that when Purdue Fort Wayne joined the Horizon League, for me, it became a much more desirable job. Um, nothing against the Summit League. I just think the Horizon League just makes so much more sense for, you know, Purdue Fort Wayne. It's, it's location, um, the competitiveness, um, all those factors. And, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, on top of that, I think that you know, Kelly has done a great job building up that athletic department and making, you know, like I said, it, it a desirable job, you know, from a resource standpoint to a facility standpoint to a housing standpoint. Um, you, you walk into that place and you kind of learn about it and you say, I can definitely recruit kids here. And I think that's, you know, on top of it being home were huge factors for me to come back here. 
Yeah. Um, going to your pre uh, your previous role at Mount St. Mary's, they actually already uh, it looks like they already announced that your associate head coach Antoine White had been, was promoted to replace you on the same day you accepted the Purdue Fort Wayne job. What does it mean? To you, that four years was enough for that for the school to buy into the culture that you and your staff created. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I'm so happy for for Antoine, and and he's so deserving of that position. You know, he played a huge role in helping me get that turned around there. And I think that anytime you take over a job, your number one responsibility is to to leave it better than you found it. And I feel really good about the state of the program at the Mount. I feel even better that you know, the athletic director was able to name him head coach right away. So those girls um, didn't really have a time of uncertainty. They knew right away who their new head coach would be. They knew they were bringing most of the team back and they knew that they were going to have, you know, make another run at a championship next year. And I'm really excited to follow, you know, not only coach white in his first year as a head coach, but those girls and, and hopefully they can go back to back. And as far as your new staff is going, um, how far are you along in uh, assembling that? Yeah, it's come along pretty well. I think um, I think I have two of the three figured out, and the third one, it's there's you know, um, I think I have that figured out as well. It's just a, it's just a matter of you know that person deciding if it's going to be the best move for them, and um, it's still posted, so we're still taking resumes, obviously. Um, but you know, as a head coach, you come into a role, you usually have a pretty good idea of who you want to hire right off the bat. So I feel really good about where it's at right now, and um, hopefully we can get them all on campus here pretty soon. Yeah. And then you kind of mentioned it at the top, but I was wondering, um, you know, how you think your time at Butler back when they were in the Horizon League would give you some familiarity with the league right out of the gate, even, you know, with all the realignment we've seen. Yeah, I mean, I, there's still a lot of similarities. I mean, Green Bay and Milwaukee are still tough. You know, that was how it was back in the day. That was the worst trip to make was to go up there and play those two Wisconsin schools. Um, you know, Wright State was always a really good athletic team. You see that's still the case. Obviously, new faces with, with IUPUI and Purdue-Fort Wayne in the league. Um, but a lot of the same trips, you know, Youngstown, Cleveland State, UIC, Detroit, those are all very familiar faces. And um, I, I think it's really cool to be back in the Horizon League. I still have some of that gear, you know, those sweatshirts that we had, those blankets that we got. And I was going through stuff the other day, and I found it, and I said, this is really cool to be back in this experience and, and, and this this part of the country. And, and uh, more than anything, back in this conference. And then kind of on the other end of Horizon League realignment, you actually have more experience against one of our schools than anyone else in the league um, with Robert Morris. Um, and then on top of that, their first year was kind of probably the start of a rebuild after NECA Zebo's graduation. What do you think – we can expect from Robert Morris in the Horizon League as, you know, they start to gain a little bit more experience and, you know, their, their all-freshman team pick starts to become, you know, a go-to player. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, Charlie does a great job. And, um, you know, when I talked to some people in the Horizon League and they asked me about Robert Morris coming in, I said, man, they're really good. And, of course, not everyone understood that they lost, you know, a really, really good post player and um, another post player that left and, and a couple good guards. So they were a completely different team this year. But, um, you know, him and his dad have ran a, a powerhouse at that university for a long time, and I don't think it'll be long before – they start to finish in the top half of this conference um, consistently, just like they did in, in the NEC. 
Now, as with any coaching change, obviously, as you've seen, there's typically um, a large number of transfers that are associated. However, in the case of Purdue for Wayne, well, at least from what we could find, there ha- that hasn't really been the case. Have you had a chance to talk to the returning players to figure out kind of their thoughts on the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I have met with them uh, briefly. I have not had extensive conversations with them yet. Um, they all seem really excited about the future. I, I did get that vibe. Um, I have had some individual conversations with each of them. And, and like I said, they all seem really pumped to get to work, and they know it's going to be a lot of work, and they know there's going to be some rough days. Um, but they seem excited for it and um, and ready to get to work, honestly. They all have reached out and um, kind of expressed those thoughts and um, you're right. There hasn't been a lot of turnover. I think they're pretty co- – the ones that remain, I think they're a pretty close-knit group, and um, they're ready to have some success. Right. And kind of to follow up on that, as obviously as, as a Division One coach over the last few years, what impact have you seen the transfer portal having on traditional one-bid leagues um, – already both like in the horizon league and previously in the NEC and where, what do you see, what impact do you see going forward? Well, I, I think that's yet to be determined. Obviously it's, it's changed things tremendously. Um, it, it's crazy. It's just crazy. The, the portal has, um, you know, changed recruiting, you know, um, an enormous amount, especially for, you know, those high school kids, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for them, especially in these first couple of years where it's still new, um, and everyone wants to try it out, but, um, you know, it could have a, a positive impact for, for us mid-majors, you know, maybe, um, we could, especially in the Horizon League, get that second bid, but I mean, honestly, you know, I, we probably could have got a second bid this year. I mean, you look at IEPUI, their, yeah. their net ranking was as high as 50, and if you really take a, a deep dive at what they did and what they have done consistently, um, now this was a different year, obviously, with, with COVID and being in a pandemic, but, um, I do think on, on, you know, certain years between Green Bay, Wright State, you know, IUPUI, Milwaukee, Northern Kentucky, even at times, um, you know, I think that there, as long as we schedule correctly and, you know, play some of those bigger schools and come up with some wins, I do think that this is a league that you can look at for getting a second bid, you know, potentially in the future. Yeah, that's definitely something we've kind of been talking about that's actually why we've done our last two shows with some of the women's basketball coaches and their postseason success. Um, we've tried to ask those coaches about kind of their relationship with the men's coach, but obviously they've been at those schools a lot longer. So we wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, with you mm-hmm. previously being the associate coach at IUPUI, could you describe your relationship with Coach Parkinson? Yeah, I just got off the phone with him. Um, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's a good friend of mine. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of things, not just basketball, you know, family, golf, you know, uh, the men's side, you know, Cubs. He always wants to rip on my Cubs. And um, so we, we talk about a lot of different things. We, we definitely uh, – <laughs> we uh, Don't mind him. He's a Brewers fan. Oh, that's very unfortunate. Um, <laughs> not as unfortunate as being an Indians fan, which I am. So, well, sort of. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, I, I, would, I would root for the Indians, especially after living in Ohio. I'd root for the Indians long before I rooted for, for the Brewers. But, um, <laughs> no, he's a good dude. And, and <laughs> you know, we're going to remain close. And, and we've already joked about how we'll probably be joking before and after the games. And, um, yeah, no, he had a great influence on my career. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, all he did for me. 
All right. Um, you already kind of answered the next one. Obviously, you guys have talked. Um, what was his reaction to you taking over at, I mean, essentially his school's arch rival? No, he was excited for me. You know, he, he, you know, he didn't look at it like that at all. He was just very pumped for me. Um, you know, obviously very positive. He thinks I'm going to, you know, do well there. He thinks I'm going to be able to get it turned around. And, um, you know, like I said, he's one of my biggest supporters. So it, it wasn't anything like that. And, 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 you know, it was all love from him from the get go. And, you know, I heard from him, you know, the day it was announced, I heard from him after my press conference, I heard from, you know, I've heard from him along the way, you know, just uh, basically cheering me on, you know, he's just, you know, really happy for, for this step in my career. Awesome. Um, and then one of the things that you two had kind of tried to do at IUPUI was to, to build a wall around um, the state of Indiana and then Obviously, IUPUI's focus is a little bit more on defense. From what I can tell from your time at Mount St. Mary's, it seems like shooting an offense might be a little bit more your thing. Do you plan to have like a similar philosophical style for recruiting with, you know, lockdown Indiana and just kind of focusing on some players that, you know, are more to your style than to the, you know, lockdown defense? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you make a great point there because Austin definitely recruits, you know, tougher kids that can, can defend and, you know, take pride on their defense. But, um, you know, we we don't make it to the NCAA tournament this year if we're not playing defense. And, um, you know, that's that's got to be a huge focus when you're turning yeah. the program around. But that being said, you know, we, we definitely are going to recruit kids that can score the ball. Obviously, you know, you kind of pecked me on the head. We're definitely going to shoot threes and we're going to try and score the ball. I'm a big believer that, um, you want a good brand of basketball, especially because it's women's basketball and you want supporters. And, you know, if you're averaging 50 points a game, that might not be the most exciting game for people to come out and watch. So we're definitely going to try and score the ball. Um, but at the same time, we're also going to play defense on the other end. And um, that's something that we do differ a little bit between Austin and I, you know, I give my kids a little bit more freedom on the offensive end and, and he's a little bit more structured. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, we're still going to be recruiting some of those same kids, I'm sure. Uh, but we both have the, you know, he's going to recruit Indy and he's going to have kids that, that want to get away from home. And the same thing in Fort Wayne, I'm going to recruit Fort Wayne and there's going to be kids that want to get away from home. So, um, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, flip flop and, and recruit each other's zones and it's not going to be, you know, anything against one another. It's just sometimes kids want to go away. Um, but, you know, Indiana is a great state for, for high school basketball, but, you know, Michigan is as well, Ohio is as well, and Illinois is as well. So um, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of kids to go around. So, Coach, I actually wanted to ask you about your first head coaching job at Urbana, which, which as I understand, unfortunately, they don't even have an athletics program anymore. But you were you had been there from, what, 2011 to 2013, correct? Yeah, so I joined the Urbana. I took over that job in the middle of the season. They had let their head coach go, um, I think, in October or maybe even September, and they let the GA run the team while they looked for a new coach, and I took over right after Christmas. Oh. And now if I understand, if I remember, if I recall correctly, you were at Urbana on the women's side about the same time that current Cleveland State assistant Rob Summers was there on the men's side. He came in right after I left. He came ah. in right after I left. Yeah, okay. so we didn't, um, we didn't cross paths. But I, but ah. I do know Rob a little bit through just some mutual people. He seems like a great guy. 
Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember when he got hired. And I knew he had that head coaching experience. I didn't know. I just want to ask if there was some overlap. But um, going to the that Urbana situation, obviously that was a situation where you had to really turn around that uh, that particular you know that particular program. Um, what lessons just from that beginning stage um, do you believe you can you know carry forward into into the job you're you're going to be you know jumping into now with Fort Wayne? Yeah, I just think, you know, I was such a young coach at that time. And, um, you know, some of the most advice I got, best advice I got heading into that job was just be who you are. Don't try and be somebody else. And, you know, that was great advice for me, especially as a young coach and and taking over my first program and being the head coach. Um, So I really tried to stick to that. And and I think another thing I learned along the way at Urbana was that you got to celebrate the small victories. You know, you're not going to, you know, your first season, you're not going to be, you know, a championship contender for, you know, regular season, you're probably going to be middle of the pack at best. And so, you know, celebrating those small victories along the way. And, um, you know, the cool thing about the Horizon League is everyone gets into the tournament in March. And so I think, you know, even if you take your bumps along the way, you continue working because there's always something to play for at the end of the season. And and we've seen it, you know, time and time again, that's why they call it madness. You know, March is such a special time of year. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, John, do you have any other questions? That'll do it. All right. Well, Coach, thank you very much again for uh, for jo- uh, joining us on the podcast. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you online. Yeah, my uh, is just Coach Marcusano. Uh, pretty pretty simple. Uh, All right. Great. Um, I think our department does a great job. Awesome. All right. Well, um, uh, thank you once again, and good luck to you in the off season and the upcoming season. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no thank problem. you. And that was Coach Marcusano. That was a great interview. Really, really was excited to have her on, and you know, looking forward to you know, kind of seeing what Purdue Fort Wayne does in the in next year, uh, especially considering how things kind of went off the rails this last year. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've kind of said it in chat and off or online, but from my perspective, that is a home run hire. I'd almost argue that before she got the Mount St. Mary's job, uh, she would have been a great hire for, you know, back when she was the associate head coach at IUPUI for one of the, you know, weaker teams in the Horizon League. Um, you look at who some of the other schools, you know, UIC hired a Northwestern assistant, um, Detroit Mercy's last couple coaches. One was a D2 coach that had previously coached up in Michigan, but had some issues up there. Um, and then before her was a horizon league assistant. So to go to a league where, you know, it's a division one conference and take a coach who in essentially in three years pulled off a turnaround, but completed it in four with a division one conference championship and get her to come on board a team that won just one game this season. That is, that's a phenomenal hire. They could not have had a better hire than that. I mean, that's just yeah. on. Pa- I mean, sure, she still has to win, but on paper, like there is nothing more you could have asked for. Yeah, someone who's literally already done the exact job that you need to do. Now, obviously, as we kind of mentioned, the Horizon League is a much stronger league than um, 
the NEC. Um, As Robert Morris found out the hard way last year. <laughs> yeah. Let's be but, honest, the women's side is even tougher than the men's in the horizon. Like right oh, now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Really is. Um, but even there, we, like she said, um, you know, coming to the Horizon League after losing, you know, an all-league first-team performer, and they didn't really have that go-to player, that's actually going to add to it, I think. Robert Morris, I think, will be, you know, I think we got year one of kind of a four-year cycle where we're going to watch um, all freshman teams forward, Sol Castro, turn into kind of like, hey, this is my show. Give me the ball. Let's do this over the next, hopefully three or even technically four years. That is true. And I think, you know, and they, they really, and obviously Purdue Port Wayne really needed to, they really needed to look at this higher as essential again, given the competition when the horizon league, this is not a, this is not a conference and I don't think it has been for a couple of years where you want to be languishing at the bottom of the standings because the top of the standings is just way too good. Yeah. Um, There's, and, and, it just, and especially if you're, you know, especially if you're Purdue Fort Wayne, when you see your interstate rival IUPUI just killing it. Yeah. So what's and, the best thing, what's the best thing you could do? Get a former asso- IUPUI associate head coach. Yeah. And that. <laughs> I guess that's a little bit more a fan issue with uh, that rivalry. Um, but, I mean, it's it's a great hire on paper. Um, I think if they're even, you know, middle of the pack in three years, that's just going to add so much to how strong the league is. Oh, absolutely. You know, if Robert Morris is, you know, at least middle of the pack in three years, it's going to add so much to how strong the league is. And you're going to have – an even tougher situation than you do right now trying to win. Um, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up because we, when we, when we talked to coach Marcusano, we talked about this idea of the transfer portal, specifically kind of inner conference transfers and literally like what a day, a day or two after we asked her about that. Cause we recorded this earlier in the week, like a day or two after, yeah. Purdue Fort Wayne picks up a Detroit Mercy transfer and Skyler yeah. Starks. <laughs> yeah, coming home to Indiana. Um, but yeah, it. And then we've started to see um, kind of that's where the league might have a little bit of a struggle. Um, you know, you've seen Mariah White put her name into the portal. You saw yeah. Baker put her name into the portal. Um, you've seen some of the top players who. I, I guess Mariah White's more because of the the extra COVID year. Yeah, I mean, with, Mariah, with, with the situation with Mariah White, um, I think the big thing with her is, you know, she got the extra year. So she, so I, I didn't uh, – obviously, in the non-COVID years, we wouldn't expect her to have been – and she's the only senior that Cleveland State has. Yeah. You know, I, so, I have to say, too, when we talked to Coach uh, Kilsmeyer uh, the week yeah. before, I, I didn't get the impression that he was expecting that. I mean, and it's, no. I, I, he wasn't going to say that either way, but but no. I didn't get the impression that that was expected. I think you know she really had some time to think about it and might have yeah. figured, okay, let's take advantage of it. That, that could be the case, and obviously that now is the case. So, and, and you know, obviously you know with Mariah, you know, and again with the I, it's funny because everybody makes such a big deal about the transfer portal, but a lot of these teams, you know, a lot of these players that are, you know, in the transfer portal are people who are cashing in on that extra year. 
So yeah, it's like, and then, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like this, it's this massive epidemic of, oh my God, what are we supposed to do about this? But no, it's basically a bunch of players who have an extra year, you know, they've graduated from, they, they're probably on pace to get their degrees and everything. So they're going to take, you know, take that extra year, you know, and then and, and try out something years. else. Yeah, yeah. Mary White uh, from Youngstown State just announced. Mary Dunn. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking about Mariah White, but you, yeah, I know. What yeah, and yeah. um, now she was committing to Pittsburgh. So I mean, it's a hey, let's see what I can do exactly. on a bigger stage, you know? Yeah, um, that's right. And we've seen that a lot on the men's side, obviously. And well, you know, just, on on the women's side, we're seeing that, but on the men's side, I don't necessarily agree. I feel like the men's side is still like it didn't matter about the extra year. They're just out there in the portal. You know, maybe it's I'm just jaded and angry as an Oakland fan watching Daniel Ladapo just. <laughs> I'm going to test it out. And then he messages me and says, no, I'm not coming back. I'm out. <laughs> like, dude, like I, I, I'm not going to derail it in a Daniel Ladapo conversation, but I feel like the women's side, they're, they're taking advantage of an opportunity and I'm better yeah. with that where the men's side is just a free for all. Yeah. But that's what we expected. Right. I mean, that's what it's been like the whole time, except we now add that extra layer of, okay, we got these, all these, uh, we got all these extra people with this extra year. Otherwise, they'd be graduating, and we would never hear from them again. I mean, that's what I'm thinking, but what do I know? <laughs> anyway. Speaking look, look. of Angel, speaking of Angel Lager, you did mention that um, she is hitting the transfer portal. Um, we yeah. and A big part we, of that is probably the coaching change with uh, Katrina Merriweather going to Memphis. That's right. Um, and then, like we kind of mentioned with Coach Marcusano, um, Mount St. Mary's announced that they were going to internally promote her associate head coach. Antoine yeah, she was White. super excited about that too, by yeah. the way. Yeah, day, super jazzed about that. day one, like hours later, it was done. Oh, yeah, I um, screw around with that. Wright State's in a little bit of a tougher situation with that. Uh, associate head coach, Tennille Adams, um, she's not like a Mike Bradbury holdover from the previous regime. Um, she just joined in the second year of Katrina Merriweather's tenure. So she doesn't have quite like the, it's not like, Hey, she's been here this whole time. This is a cultural fit. Let's go. Let's do it. And then on top of that, she's already been a division one head coach. Uh, she took over a Howard team back in the mid 2010s that has, was coming off a 21 season. And within two years, they decided to go in another direction after they were winning four games, um, I'm, she didn't get a full recruiting cycle, so that adds another element to it, but it, it makes it hard to just, you know, make that same move that Mount St. Mary's did with the, okay, next up, let's go. And that that's probably not helping with Angel Baker yeah. being in the portal. And, um, it, who they hire is going to be, you know, a a key part of oh, how yeah. good the Horizon League is going forward. Um, nonetheless, I do think overall it's looking really good. I, I think the next few years are going to be yeah. really fun. And, you know, I'm not going to have this little four-team chunk at the bottom of the league right in these power rankings where it's just like, uh, um, they lost but, twice. I don't know what else we expected. Well, yeah, because, you know, the – well, yeah, that 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 chunk at the bottom is going to shrink considerably a little bit next year, I think. 
Um, but I think no matter what, I think the, the right state hire is going to be critical. Um, not necessarily for the conference, because it looks like the conference is going to still be pretty strong. It, it, you know, again, the top half of, that, of the conference is going to be you know, really tough this, next year, as it has been the last couple of years. Um, especially when you got IUPUI reloading like they have, um, but I think it's it, it's a, it's especially tough, uh, critical for Wright State itself to you know get the right person in here, maintain some continuity. It's interesting you, it, and it's interesting because we've seen a lot, and not just with uh, the Mount Saint Mary's hire, but we've actually seen kind of a little bit of the trend both on the men's and women's side about you know it's it's becoming some of these programs are, you know, basically going next man up where the assistants are getting, it seems like the assistants are getting a lot more run in terms of being um, considered and hired for the the head coaching jobs this year. Um, Not all that frequently, but you know, you see it, you know, you're seeing it obviously in the power five conferences, you know, most recently the best example we can give is, you know, North Carolina, but at the same time, you know, it's not a it, you. It's not a hire you take lightly, especially when you're coming off of a Horizon League tournament win um, and a you know a second round appearance in the NCAA tournament. This is not a. This is definitely not a hire you take lightly. So I can understand kind of the the hesitation at this point in terms of what they want to do. Um, hopefully, they don't take too much time. <laughs> Because uh, spring signing period is coming up here uh, very soon. In fact, I think it's coming up this Wednesday. It starts. I just want to give so, a real quick shout shout out to uh, another example of that happening because it does have Oakland ties and all that. And that'd be Drew Valentine becoming the youngest Div One uh, head coach. Yeah. Uh, yes. Former Oakland standout, former Oakland assistant coach, left Oakland as an assistant coach to go to Loyola, and now he's the dude there. So, like, little shout out there for him too. <laughs> Still miss Loyola. I'm sorry in the Horizon League. I just still do. <laughs> I do now. Oh, well, no, you never actually had the. No, you. Well, right, but with their success, I miss them. Yeah. They're, bring, they're bringing in some NCAA tournament bank. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. Which is funny because, again, we, as I've said many times over the years, the, the Loyola, Loyola you see now is not the Loyola that was in the Horizon League. <laughs> So the I don't know, man. That final four year, we still clipped them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, yeah, that was useful. But, yeah, um, so, yeah, that's interesting that, yeah. But, again, you know, good example. Next man up, it, even within the mid-major ranks where, you know, next person, next, you know, assistant – it, and they didn't. Re- they didn't hesitate at all. I think they, you know, they, I, they took maybe the weekend to, you know, put that together and, you know, have. I him think it was properly. actually finalized. Yeah. Right away, but they just didn't release the presser until the end of the weekend. Yeah. It, it seemed pretty much a foregone foregone conclusion that as soon as he was off to Oklahoma, Porter Moser, that Drew Valentine was up. Cool. Here we go. Yeah, there like, go. there's no, there's no time to waste. Here, let's do it. Yeah, they didn't screw around with that at all. Not There's no all, reason to. No, absolutely not. I don't blame them either. Yeah, that was that was the, that one was that hire was so obvious 
Um, also, I'd like to thank Loyola for me being making the obvious move and not screwing around with it, so we didn't have to hear a bunch of you know Horizon League coaches being considered for this <laughs> job again for the millionth time. Like we're like incidentally, we're going to a Cincinnati. <laughs> More Horizon League connections! Yay! Oh Jesus! What that is such a I don't cluster. even think that one's worth bringing up right now. I I know Gates's name has been popping up in like the. Gates's name pops up. Dennis Gates's name pops up at every single has popped up in every single. <laughs> but if there was fan pressure to push, to push the last, I I think it would be a good hire. But there was fan pressure to push their last, you know, hot young Horizon League coaching hire out in two years. I I think it would be Cincinnati a press loss. Sorry, but Cincinnati is not going to the Horizon League well again. They're just yeah, not. I agree. So so enjoy Archie Miller, guys. <laughs> Are we sure that Brandon's not going to take over at IUPUI? Oh. <laughs> would, wouldn't, that be a tw- wouldn't that be a twist? That would be just weird. And, I and just, my, my, yeah, the follow-up question is, where would they get the money from? They won't need it. He's going he's gonna to do it for almost free. He's getting a $4 million buyout for being removed for no real reason. <laughs> that is true and I, by the that, way that's interesting that's the whole thing and it's, and every time i see every time i see that i know i mean they are him and his lawyer are coming out like guns blazing right now which is funny because you know we've seen ex-coaches sue um you know where i'm going with this by the way um sue their oh, university was, after they fired but yeah VCU? what's that i said how is vcu doing over there <laughs> George Mason. Anyway. Oh, George Mason. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. By the way. Yes. But yes, Dennis Felton. By the way, keep taking assistant coaches, coaching jobs. That judge, I'm sure, is going to be like, you know, there's a clause in your contract about you taking additional things and it being an offset of whatever. But even that, even if it, if you weren't fired with cause, which, by the way, I have this very long laundry list of things why you got fired. So anyway. <laughs> so. Speaking of that IUPUI opening, um, you know, we I did throw out an article early in the week on it. Yeah, um, you kind of like are the only one, and I'm saying you are the only one, just to kind of squash anything else. Because this has been, again, I don't understand this, like even a little bit, is that, okay, you know, we know that this is, you know, we knew the I we knew that IUPUI theoretically could be open. Again this year because Byram only got the extra, you know, he he technically got the interim tag popped off of him, and he got a one year extension, which I thought was like, okay, what's the point of that? Yeah, you're basically gonna, you know, you're just basically just you know kicking the can down the road, and and I really truly thought I, I truly thought that I that Byram did enough this season to warrant a. a at least more time. Yeah, and I think that got kind of difficult. Like I, I brought it up. I thought, I thought Dennis Gates was the runaway coach of the year. But if there was another guy for me, um, I mentioned that Byron Rim made a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, where it got difficult is you look at how much Marcus Burke, Jalen Minette, and Elijah Goss did for that team, and they were all yeah. Gardner recruits. Like, yeah, it, it it's kind of a tough spot, you know. Yeah, he hasn't shown that he was going to get those types of guys, 
So, but I mean, again, he he didn't have a full. Well, how are you supposed to get those kind of guys when you're only when you're only on a year contract? Yeah. yeah. And so what, do you, what what is your what is the answer to a recruit's question saying, okay, you're only supposed to be here for another year. What about the years after? I mean, yeah, isn't that really exactly. the problem it, they're having now? Yeah. Clearly. It's this complicated situation where, like, yeah, I, I'm completely with you. What yeah. can your teams do? But we also haven't really given you the opportunity to, you know, to, to put together one of your teams because we've handicapped or we've kind of, you know, just crushed you in recruiting. Um, but once it was done, like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm just looking at. Which is interesting because, which is interesting because they're um, specifically, you know, I'm pretty sure what I think Bakari Lestrap was a freshman, correct? He was not a transfer. Yeah, yeah, he was their one freshman. Everyone else was freshman. Yeah, he did pretty well, and I think you know he'll he'll be he'll be good for IUPUI moving forward, unless he jumps into the portal like everybody else is anymore. Um, So, and it's funny because I don't think, yeah, I mean, but again. When you have all of those players who are obviously not going to be there anymore, Marcus Burke is obviously going pro. Um, yeah, second he got the bag at that three-on-three uh, tournament, yeah, you knew he was. Yeah, he, he's going for the. I, I, it was an obvious move, and it was obvious. It, it was understandable because you know he had a taste of the. He had a taste of the you know the you know the pre-draft experience, and I think he figured out that justifiably so that it it was better. It's a better move for him to go pro than to, you know, cash in on that extra year. He knew what he was. He knew what was going on too. So, um, well, and, so obviously, if you're IUPUI, you know, this is as close to a clean break as they can get to re, to re to you know to reboot, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. But, and I think that's really what it comes down to. It's not that Rim didn't do a good job, and they probably know that he was handcuffed a little bit, you know, with recruiting, but. At the end of the day, like that's you know, if IUPUI couldn't win with those pieces, you know, three pieces that could potentially make money playing basketball, yeah. then it was time to reboot. Two, three are, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's all it came down to. I don't think it's personal, as weird as that is yeah. to say when you fire someone, but it nah, was Byron that. Byron Rim got dealt a really bad hand and he played it out as well as could be asked. And he'll probably get a nice assistant job somewhere. You know, he seems yes. to do a really nice job and all this. But for IUPUI, who's clearly trying to, you know, build a good athletics program all around and they're really starting to to get there believe it or not and a lot of other and a lot of the other sports as well but you need men's basketball and it seems like now was a good time you know as good a time as it gets to for that clean break they don't have a lot of big pieces someone's going to come in and get their get their butts kicked for a couple years but hopefully they can get that right higher and start building and this is as good as it gets yeah yeah and i do agree with that um and then kind of looking at the I will candidates. say this, by the way. By the way, anybody who's saying Byron Rim is still a coaching candidate for this, stop. He already <laughs> tweeted out that he's yeah. not going to be there anymore. He's, he's a candidate for this, like Byron, Daniel Lopez coming back to Oakland. I understand. I understand mm-hmm. that. Uh, I understand that Byron Rim kept getting, his name kept getting kicked around as him potentially getting interviewed for the job for a little longer, but. And I understand that Byron Rim's uh, Twitter account is on lock, but yeah, you know, we actually tweeted out the screenshot where he basically said he wasn't coming back. So come on, guys, this is this is what we do. <laughs> yeah, and then looking at kind of who they might be able to bring in, um, who wants to take a pay cut? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 
it's really going to be a lot of the similar issues that Green Bay faced last year where, I mean, we heard, I don't think a Dennis Gates type coach where he was making 400,000 at Florida state now making 280 K at um, Cleveland state. I think another hundred thousand off of that. And you're talking about a little bit too steep of a, a pay yeah. cut. Um, so to me, Greg Lansing, who was at Indiana state finished fourth in the Missouri Valley while, you know, basically being paid like a, I think bottom half of the horizon league coach would be a phenomenal hire. I think Stan Gerard, he was my pick last year. He took a job at his alma mater. So he's had one year down at his college where he played for Bruce Pearl, Southern Indiana. Yeah. Um, if they can make the finances work and Southern Indiana's AD <laughs> decides to assure Stan Gerard that, hey, no, we're not moving up to D1, um, which would be a stupid move on both fronts. Um, then that would be another one that I think would make a ton of sense, be a really good hire. I, If I'm him, I hold out hope that, you know, my alma mater goes D1 because I think. I'm still thinking they are at some point. You don't some, make that, I don't think he does. I don't think he makes that move. If I don't think he makes that move, unless there's something to the whole, them moving up to D1 thing. I, it, that's just what I think. And yeah. And I mean, you look at what IUPUI did last in 2020 compared to what both of the teams he's coached have done. I'm not sure IUPUI wins a game against them in a two game series, um, either UND or Southern Indiana. Yeah. And um, I'll be, you know what? If we're being honest, you know, the, the hiring freeze at IU for all IU schools last year started in the, you know, near the end of March. Um, and that job, and it's been pretty clear that that IUPUI job opening has been available since you know they should have been talking to people since like the second Jason Gardner got fired because Brian Room was only assistant. They had ample opportunity to get Gerard on board with IUPUI, and if they couldn't do it then, they're sure as hell not going to be able to do it now. I'm sorry, I don't think they're going to. And then that kind of brings up some of the other. Candidates, um, Brandon Brantley at Purdue is one that I mentioned that I'm now not so sure about after Purdue yeah, I get it. lost Micah Shrewsbury, and I'm blanking on the other assistant. Anyway, they're down two assistants. They only have him left. Um, I don't see that one happening. Terry Johnson saw his you know, one of his fellow assistants get the Elon job last year, making about 300 K we're figuring that IUPUI is probably going to be more in green Bay's range at about 175,000 yeah. a year. That's a, that's a pretty steep decline when you've seen your colleagues not have to take a pay cut. Exactly. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think two, those, I have two theories too on, on, on the coaching here. Um, they're, they're a little more Jimmy Lemke left field craziness, but IUPUI has been at their best. IUPUI's best was early mid two thousands when Ron Hunter was the coach. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they turn to Ron Hunter to see if he's got anybody in his coaching tree that might fit. Uh, Ron Hunter's not at any huge names, you know, Tulane's doing fine. You know, Georgia Southern was fine, but I can't imagine they're making a ton of money. So they might see if Ron Hunter's got anyone to offer. 
Ray um, McCallum. Also, <laughs> what's the head? His associate head coach is Ray McCallum. You know, that's actually <laughs> ever been said on this podcast. Um, the other thing to look for, I think, is we've seen a lot of um, like NBA players and big big name players from schools either get a look or their friends or you know people that they've worked well with. IUPUI does have George Hill, who's still playing in the yes. NBA somehow. Um, and maybe they turn to him and see if he's got any input as to who he thinks, you know, could help that school succeed. And those are both kind of off off the wall ideas, but things that IUPUI might need to look into. Which incidentally makes me wonder why the name Matt, Matthew Crenshaw hasn't been po- brought up yet. The assistant at uh, Ball State. Ball State. Yep. Um, and then that actually might lead into one of the names that I had. Um, it's an off the wall hire for sure. But Austin Parkinson. The women's coach. Uh, he was a Ron Hunter assistant back in the day before he spent the last decade with the women's team. So, I mean, he I, I mentioned it, but he knows how to win at IUPUI. Um, obviously, moving over to the men's side would be a big deal, but he does have connections at the schools. It's just, you know, maybe the one room away from the, the coach you want to be talking to. But I think when you're looking at, you know, you're looking at a guy like Terry Johnson having to take a massive pay cut to come here from Ohio State, you kind of have to think about the off the wall stuff. And that might be a good spot for it. My biggest I actually, you know, it kind of goes with what I was saying. So I I love that idea. My biggest question is, would he want it? And would IUPUI be willing to potentially risk? how good their women's team is going to be for yeah. the men. You know, I, I don't know if that makes sense, uh, maybe long-term. I, I just don't know. That's a good question. And I don't, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if they, I don't know if they want to take that risk. I mean, it, 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 it makes sense on paper, but in terms of, you know, what IUPUI has accomplished on the women's side, I don't, I don't know if that would work. Hey, Latrell Fleming's ready. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so of course, yeah, the you, you do know you guys all do realize that Tracy Dildy's still in play, right? <laughs> no, he's not. Stop it. I think Benji Taylor's also in play too, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, who? Benji Taylor. Oh. Uh, you're still not sold. You're, you're no longer sold on that idea now, John. I think he got a raw deal at Chicago State, and obviously they haven't come close to the seasons he put up. I don't know. Um, I mean, are I've just, like, oh, I'm sorry. Are we referring to Benji Taylor or Tracy Dildy at this point? <laughs> well, Benji Taylor for the seasons that he put up at Chicago state, yeah. uh, he was kind of in that aftermath anyway. Um, I mean, I think if you're looking at a, a higher kind of a retread higher, I think Ray McCallum is the one that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> He's in the like we, he's we, in the Ron Hunter closing for me. We've convinced ourselves of a return to Ray McCallum. Really, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think it makes. I I genuinely actually like it. <laughs> I do. I hate. I I know that's not what I'm supposed to say out loud. Like I'm I saying mean, the quiet part out loud, but but I like it. I mean, so yeah, you say awesome. like you say, hey, he doesn't have his kid coming through again. Take his kid off those Detroit Mercy teams. Compare it to where IUPUI is at right now. That's a win. I take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, 
I think where it I gets mean, difficult is you've got to be honest. We got to we got to get some better. We got to get some better intel here because now we're just pulling names out of a hat. <laughs> um, but there's at but least yeah. a, a thorough line that you a through line that you can follow to get there. You know, it's not totally the dumbest thing we've ever come up with. <laughs> this is true. We've come up with some really dumb stuff over the years. So yeah, no, I get, I get it, I get it. Um, but yeah. I mean, again, with the with the spring signing period coming up, IUPUI needs to they gotta they gotta get on it, or else they're gonna miss out on that. And then, you know, what then? <laughs> For being honest, what then? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's like you know, there's a million people in the transfer portal, so maybe it's not as big a deal anymore as it used to be. But yeah, you know, sooner rather than later would be the call of the day. Or maybe they're just picking up the phone and everybody's like, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. I, I do think there is something to the idea that this process is a little bit long, further along than we – we. It, probably, it has to be. I mean, they've had because, like a year and a half to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, when I, – I feel like when Rim was let go, that was more, you know, initially, hey, we'll give you a shot. We'll consider you. Then when they decide, okay, we're cutting down our list, you're not on it, that's when they made that's the determination. Yeah. So I, I that would be my hunch. That would be, yeah, it has to be. I mean, it has to be they that we're they they are finally in a process where they they have narrowed down the number of the names and they've gotten to this point where Byron Rim is not a finalist. I'm sure he was considered, but as far as finalist is concerned, he obviously is not. So um Hopefully we'll find out sooner rather than later. We need to find out soon. And by the way, IUPUI, you know, I know you guys listen to us. The mic is open for you. Oh, I'll send them an email the day it c- comes through. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so with that said, we're gonna we're gonna close out this episode. Next week we got uh, Sean Paul from Making the Madness. The guy has been on it about breaking news about transfers and all that good stuff, including, you know, some of the ones that we've had in the Horizon League. So we're definitely going to be talking to him about a lot of those things. And you definitely don't want to miss out on that. Um, other than that, HorizonRoundTable.com, our content, our podcasts are all up there. Um, we're wherever podcasts are found in all our episodes. And then you can pull us up on your uh, Amazon or Google devices. So until next week, thank you guys for listening.